Welcome to Halftime Chat with me, Sivan Gessi. In each episode, I talk to prominent rugby personalities about their rugby journeys and how they deal with change in their lives. This episode, we go in the change room with Amy Barrett-Turon. Right, Amy Barrett-Turon, how are you doing today, sister? I'm doing very well, thanks, sir. It's good to be here. I've actually been refed by you, so I feel like I'm a professional sports person. Um, so you have played rugby at a high level. You are a referee, and you've broken records as being the first female referee to referee a Curry Cup game. How did you get into rugby? And what did your mom say the first time you said, Mom, I want to be a rugby player. And then you said, No, Mom, I want to be a rugby referee. Yeah, that was, it was an interesting journey, I think. I grew up loving the game, so on a Saturday I watched as much rugby as I could. And um, when the opportunity came, I started playing touch rugby. And okay. um, yeah, then I, I wanted to get involved and not necessarily start tackling people, but yeah. get involved in the good game. And uh, mom was obviously a bit hesitant, yeah. her, her baby uh, running into other people and other people running yeah. into her. Um, so I actually started playing without mom knowing. And, um, what? <laughs> yeah. Referee breaking the law. Beautiful. Mm. What a great start to this <laughs> refereeing career. Yeah, sometimes you just got to take a leap, and I, yeah. I knew what I wanted to do, so I got involved and, um, yeah, then got mom involved, and she was supportive and, yeah, still supportive to this day, and, and it's been a good journey so far. So, yeah, I love the game, and I don't see anything wrong with it or anything different and um, I think the mindsets are changing towards females in rugby and uh, yeah hopefully I can help that help broaden people's mindsets with that. Well that's beautiful you used the C word which is change and Bright Rock's all about change and Bright Rock really does get involved in rugby a lot because rugby is all about the interesting thing I loved about rugby is the bounce of the ball. You never know which way it's going, but if you stay on your toes, you never know which left or right is it. So you've changed a lot of perspectives on what people think of what a referee should be. When you're on the field refereeing, do you feel like a woman referee or do you just feel like a referee? That is a very good question. I think um, two ways for me. It's very important for me to be seen just as a referee. I'm, I'm there to provide a service to the game. The players are the rock stars. Um, a good colleague of mine, Jaco Paper, has always said that. And I, that's just Jaco Paper. Just, uh, you know, just Jaco Paper. Just casually just give casually, him a call. Just you know? pick up that name drop. Jaco Paper. Yeah, and the, the gents have been really great to me in the Premier Panel. They've taught me some really good things. And yeah, just to be recognised as a referee on the field and 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 playing my role in the game is, is where I want to be. But it, it's also important for me to be recognized as a female referee and and for people to to be like wow she can do it and she's doing well and it's great and you're always going to come across those people who who don't rate your performances and that's fine because I don't judge my performance on what other people think um it's all about how I feel and um we get assessed every game. We have fitness testing every month. I've actually just come from our, our monthly fitness testing. Um, so I know that I'm held accountable by the, by the right people. And, and at the end of the day, you know, it's how I want to challenge myself and, and move forward. And, yeah, I enjoy the female part. And if, if I can do it, it shows that other women can also get involved. And there's been a really, a, a really big drive to get women involved in the game from World Rugby through SA Rugby through our local Western Promise Society and the other societies. Mm. Um, so it's been great to get, to get more involved. And it's, it'll be great to grow my little team. 
And um, yeah, if if women can, if I can make it in rugby, women can make it in any sport. You know. Agreed. So you say that you are seeing change in the space of rugby, and you are part of the change, which is quite important. Now, you moved to Cape Town, which is incredible. Like, which is okay. So you you're from Durban, and you moved to Cape Town. That's quite an incredible change. How was the transition between Cape Town? And Durban. So growing up in Durban, I never thought I'd leave. I love the place. I love the beach. I love the weather. I could survive the humidity, no problem. Um, but then I was lucky enough to get a bursary to Stellenbosch uh, through rugby when I was playing for the national team at that time. And I had to grab the opportunity because I, unfortunately, I couldn't, um, you know, pay for varsity myself. So yeah, going from from the East Coast to the West Coast, going from the English to the Super Afrikaans, a uh, big change, big change in my life to get on the plane and leave home, um, leave mom, leave the family behind and 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 take on the new challenge. But um, yeah, it was a, a big step up for me and it was something important that I needed to do with my life to say, listen, I'm, I'm grabbing it by the horns and I'm going to see how far I can go and, and how I can challenge myself. So you've mentioned your family a lot. You're very close with your family and you have siblings? I have a twin brother and an older half-brother. Are you the only person who plays rugby in your family? I am, yes. So you have two brothers. (laughs) You have two brothers and you're the only person between all three who plays rugby. How did that happen? Uh, so that's uh, yeah, it was a fun time growing up. So obviously, uh, my twin brother and I, we had we played a lot of sport in the back garden and things like that. And it turned out that he was a lot more uh, intellectually stimulated by things on the computer, and he could he was fixing computers by about eleven, twelve. So your brother's a nerd. Just be honest. Just you and a sister. Be honest. It's your twin brother. You can call him a nerd. Yeah, that's easy okay, enough cool. to say. So my he was. He was the nerd, and um, he's got an incredible job in London now because of that. So uh, good on him. And I was definitely the more sporty, sporty one of the family. My dad was quite sporty growing up, and um, <clears throat> mom not so much, but she's now done over 200 park runs, so she's doing really well with that. Let's act like mom's not in the room. <laughs> mom is not sitting there next to you saying, you better give me a shout out. <laughs> Go, mom. <laughs> um, yeah, so quite an interesting family dynamic growing up. Um, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed the sport, played as much as I could every afternoon and on the weekends and uh, mom shepherding me around, taking me to the sport, that sport, this game, this training and um, yeah, here I am today really. So let, like I have a mother who's, who's very, I'm very close with and I've realised that the, that support never changes with parents. It just gets stronger and stronger and stronger and I, sometimes I feel like I'm still 10 years old with my mother. How have they, your parents supported you in this journey? Oh, they've been incredible. So mom from day one has always supported me and she's never said, um, uh, no, listen, this is, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. She's let me do what I want to do. And, and yeah, just pure determination. She supported me, um, in anything I wanted to achieve. So even one of my favorite stories is when I was about 12 and I saw the Sydney Olympics on and I said, mom, I'm going to be there one day. And, you know, coming from the uh, the background that we came from, like, you know, I wasn't that all-star athlete and I was only 12, so she could have easily laughed it off, but she supported me uh, from day one and um, did end up at the Olympics. And, yeah, very proud mom. And it's it's amazing. She joined me for... A lot of my first games, my, she'll fly over and, and just be there on the sideline. Referee. Uh, I was a referee okay. at the 2016 Rio Olympics. So, yeah, that was a, an incredible dream come true. I never thought I would make it, but mom's always been there um, 
backing me and supporting me and yeah everything I do uh, she's just happy and proud and she's I think she's happier now that I'm not tackling anyone anymore um, but it's still quite a challenge obviously running around with 30 big sweaty men uh, she does get a bit nervous but um, yeah I make sure I, I prepare well and look after myself and and make sure that I can make her proud all right so we spoke about your family you are married happily married as you mentioned to me earlier how has life changed after being single to be married that is a good question. Uh, so we've been together for about 10 years and married for three. Oh, 10 years. <laughs> There's many ladies out there going, Siv, when are you going to settle down? 10 years. I'll give you 10 months, lucky. But 10 years. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big step. I was lucky enough to meet her when I, the first day that I landed in Stellenbosch. And um, yeah, it's, it's a big challenge and it's tough, but it's incredibly worthwhile and to have that support especially when you're traveling and just the international um the the pressure on you while I was playing and the you know to get the studies done and to um to represent your country and then to go into the refing and sometimes you come home and you're upset with your performance and the coaches gave you a hard time and the players gave you a hard time and you know you just didn't perform as well as you could and she's just at home providing the comfort that you that you need so yeah being married is it's a it's an interesting experience. I think for me, it was the next step, the next step to our relationship to prove the commitment. I think living the lives that we live, uh, it's almost unreal sometimes because you sometimes, you, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Auckland and a couple of weeks before that, I was in San Diego. So it's quite, um, it's, it's unreal. You know, you, you all over the world uh, living this rock star lifestyle um, and... I, at the end of the day, I, I seek my home comforts. I like my routine. I like coming back to the place that I love with the people that I love. So, so it's been really good. So one thing that for me, that I have two very close friends, Rasta, Egon Seconds, who are both referees. And I look at refereeing differently now that I have a close friend of mine. I know how you guys want to get everything perfect and you guys don't want to make mistakes and you don't want to cost anyone anything. And it, cause I know a lot of referees love rugby. How has that changed in your life about being accountable for yourself? Have you become more accountable as the days have gone on? Or because you know, if you made a mistake, you know, how is the accountability of being a referee? Do you have moments of going, I made a mistake? Or do you go, you know, mm, I need to get back. How do you how do you go to sleep? Because I know for me as a rugby player, if I make a mistake, I know that I'm very hard on myself. For you, a mistake that you make is, is you know, you could break the whole game. Yeah, it's a really big deal. And I think the better we prepare, the less those mistakes happen. But at the end of the day, we're human. And I think that was the one of the biggest learnings for me is when I first started uh, refing, Firstly, I thought it would be easy because I've yeah. been playing for so long. Yeah. Um, and then I actually realized it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And um, yeah, getting into, getting into the game, you start to realize the more you stay true to your personality, the more you, you feel the game rather yeah. than find all the technicalities. Uh, you end up uh, reffing a better game, but those mistakes do happen. Mm-hmm. And um, it's all about how you deal with them. So I think what, what one of my goals as a referee, I, I've tried to build that relationship with the players, the coaches. I don't go out there to be the army sergeant. I don't go out there to fight. I don't go out there to ruin anyone's day. And I hope in return, no one else goes to ruin my day, you know? Um, and if you do make a mistake, I, I find one of the biggest things after, you know, even during the game, I said, 
uh, I have been questioned by the players. I'm like, listen, I actually think I got that wrong. Oh wow! Uh, you said, <laughs> yeah, and it's and players like it's it's unreal for them, and they they don't expect it, but they also I don't want to go out and confuse them. I don't want to mm. force my picture on them because they're like, but last week Rasta blew it like this, and now you're blowing it like this. Mm. You know, sometimes you do make a mistake, and sometimes you're like, listen, that was a fifty-fifty, and I like to look on review, mm. um, and even after the game, there's always some good discussion points, and it's important to learn. You know, mm. we have a saying like every day is a school day. You have to learn from every game. You have to keep improving um, in order to become that better referee. Even the guys I spent a week again with my good friend, Jakub Pepper. I spent, <laughs> I spent a good week with him in, in Auckland and it was just incredible to, he's learning and he's easily one of the top in the world mm. and he learns every week and every game, every situation, uh, in the tournament, the World Cup, there will be loads of learning that will every referee will go through. And I think if you keep doing that from game to game, um, you'll keep challenging yourself, you'll keep becoming better. But as soon as you, you become complacent, the game will take you over, you know? Sam, you're a full-time biokinetist. You're a full-time referee. Like, when you're in the game and you're running around and there's an injury, do you ever see an injury and go, ah, oh, ACL, Ooh. That's going to be nine months straight forward. Ooh, rehab's going to be expensive. Does it ever happen to you when you see an injury? You're like, I see that. I know what just happened. Yes, absolutely. And that's been an, I think it's been an asset to my refing because then I know, listen, guys, we need to stop the game. This is something serious. And um, rugby, it's the nature of the game. There are going to be injuries. And I think my biokinetics background... I have seen some some interesting things, and it's sometimes helpful for me to to step in and assist with the first aid, and especially those those unfortunate knee injuries. I know what's going on, and I I know the the future path that that gent has is going to go through. But um, yeah, I think at the end of the day, it helps me as far one of our guidelines is uh, the safety of the players. So especially those head injuries has been a lot of focus on that. And, and you can tell, I know how to test for concussion. I know some of the signs and symptoms and SA Rugby do a, a great program with the Boxmark program and they teach us as well. So from all angles, we know what's going on. And we even had an incident on the weekend where we had to um, take one of the, the players off because he was, he was unsteady on his feet. So it helps me as a referee. Um, sometimes, shame, it's quite uncomfortable because I know that this poor boy, is he's going to be out for a little while. It's gone. But, yeah. it's gone. <laughs> yeah. but hey, that's all part of the game. So if you were refereeing that, there was one game many years ago, Gio Aplon, totally concussed concussed out of his brain, literally was sitting on his knees with his feet sticking out, and the ref let him play on. If that was you, you would have never done that. Absolutely not, yeah. And I think World Rugby and SA Rugby have made some incredible strides forward, you know, with the match doctor on the side, they were constantly watching a screen to make sure that that doesn't happen. And for me, doing my, I did my master's thesis on rugby injuries, and the stats are incredible uh, about how many injuries happen, and, and we've become more aware as a referee group um, how we need to, we need to be in the, the enforcers that if there's any doubt, we need to get this player off the field mm. because it's really bigger picture. At the end of the day, it's only a game. Uh, I know some coaches and players would, and parents would hate me for saying that, mm. but it's only a game. And I think your life versus 80 minutes, uh, it's an easy decision. So at the moment, rugby is changing. Many things are changing in refereeing. A lot of things are developing, trying to make sure that players are safer and trying to make sure that it's more entertaining. What part of rugby do you feel as a referee needs to change more for it to be 
maybe easier for you referees or better, safer for players. Is there anything that you would like to see change in, in rugby in general? I think World Rugby have made some really good strides forward as far as the, the law changes, um, you know, the tackle height um, and, you know, the contest in the air and things like that. What's that, tough? Contest in, that contest in the air <laughs> is some harsh stuff. That I Oh, I struggle with it. I must be honest. Contest in the air, really struggle with it at the moment because sometimes there's gravity, there's momentum, there's – and the whole intent thing, like – yeah, you know what's great about rugby is is that every situation is different. Mm. In, in a lot of other sports, you're going to get the same situation all the time. You know, it's not as dynamic. So uh, in rugby, it's a completely different um, situation almost every time. And I can yeah. tell you, when we do technical sessions as referees, sometimes there are clips that completely split the rim. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just some honesty here. Like some of us will be penalty card... Um, penalty yellow card and some of us are play on and and sometimes it's hard for me as a player mm. as an ex-player to to put on my referee cap and think listen mm. this is for safety this is this is according to law and things like that where I can actually feel what the player was trying to do there yeah. um, but it's really difficult to judge intent because the higher you go up in the levels the more players the more clever the players become New Zealand yeah. <laughs> New Zealand <laughs> yeah and, and you've really got to be you've got to find that that right balance between listen Player safety is always our, our first priority. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got to go through the, the, the checklist. And then sometimes you just have to apply a bit of common common sense mm-hmm. to the law. And and because there is a bit of subjectivity, that's where there, there's the discussion points, the coaches, the players. Um, it becomes technical and you, they'll throw out comments like, oh, it, it was you, had, you have a yellow card in the first half. Why isn't this a yellow card? Well, it's a different situation and mm-hmm. this is why. So we do a lot of hard work behind the scenes to, to bring in those checklists to to make sure that we are as objective as possible. We, we're selling the same picture every time, but because it's so dynamic, we've really got to be on top of our game. All right. Here's a question. You are a female. You are female. Um, you are a female and you are refing men. Do you struggle to keep up sometimes? Because they're, they're pretty fast. They're pretty fast. As a male, <laughs> it's, they're pretty fast. Yeah, it's fast out there. Um, and because I'm refing the men's games, I um, have to keep up with the men's fitness standards. So we are on a very hectic um, high performance program through SA Rugby. So being on the premier panel, there's about eight, nine of us that are, we have a monthly program. We have monthly fitness testing. Uh, we get checked all the time and it's, it's, it's extra important for me to sell a picture that, especially being a female, I can keep up with the men because that's the first thing that people will look at. Be like, well, she's behind the game. It's because she's a female. So we write it off instantly. So it's really important for me to be as fit as possible. And if I'm honest, I'm probably fitter than I was when I was playing, uh, now than when I was playing. Change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a whole lot of science into it. And, and people, for me, refereeing is a full-time career. Mm. So I, I am also a biokinesist, which is full-time. But being a referee, there's so much hard work. We're working Monday to Sunday on our, on our physical profiles. And, you know, sometimes people think we pick up the whistle on a Saturday, have a little run around, and we go back to our normal desk jobs. Mm. But there's actually so much science that goes into our training because we have to follow the ball for the full 80 minutes. We have to be sharp for the full 80 minutes. You can't have a break like playing fullback. I used to have a lovely holiday at the back while the, the forwards would be setting up a scrum. Really, <laughs> 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 so, um, 
Yeah, it's really important for, for us to be sharp, and especially for me as a female. Um, I don't want that first judgment to be, uh, you know, she's not keeping up with the pace of the game. So I can tell you in, in an average game, we're running about seven and a half kilometers per game and most of that is done at high speed mm. so yeah we put in the the hard graft to to get there and i'm really enjoying being this fit mm. um but every game is a challenge and um you know from the youngsters from the schoolboy level that i'm reffing uh to curry cup under 21 division one uh, even running touch can be can be tiring so I must be honest, I know exactly how you feel. I played Western Province water polo. As a black guy playing water polo, I know people always look at me like, ooh, can he swim? So I used to try to be faster, stronger, and I used to let them know how strong and fast I was. So when it comes to um, this, this industry, and for me, I've, I, I watch refereeing, and I, I always feel so bad for you guys sometimes, and, but I watch a difference between soccer referees and rugby referees. And you guys get a lot of respect compared to the soccer counterparts. The respect thing, is that just a rugby thing or is it something that you guys are taught to be assertive on the field compared to soccer guys who just walk all over the referees? I think it's a bit of both um, and I think it can be improved as well. I think if you compare us to, to soccer, we're miles ahead and I think there can be uh, an improvement from that. There, there was a great example this weekend in the Curry Cup semi-final. One of the water carriers was uh, abusing Morris van season and, and AJ while they were refing and they sent him uh, into the stands because we, we need to put our foot down. So the players didn't have water. Ah, oh, yeah. sounds like the Western Cape to me. <laughs> yeah, toughen up big boys. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a really important step and I think... Again, people need to realize that we're human and, um, and it's in incredibly tough to try and do your job and you're getting this constant abuse from the side. And, and it's the coaches and, and managers and players lose credibility. If you're going to shout at us 40, 50 times during the game, yeah, every now and then you're going to have a credible call, but we've switched off to you a long time ago because um, you're just going on and on and on about everything. And we are on the field in the action. We are doing the best to see everything, but it's impossible to see everything. So I think a bit of respect for them to know that we are doing the best job possible. And it is important for us that we hold our pose just as much as they hold their pose. Like if, imagine if you're in the boardroom and your manager's going off at you like that or you know, one of the other, your other colleagues, it's very difficult to do your job. Um, so we, I've become very resilient and a much stronger individual because of all of that. And um, I think it's important going forward that we need to respect each other as human beings because, again, I'm not there to ruin your day. And I'm, I'm certainly not out there to ruin my reputation or anyone else's reputation. So I want to put out the best performance possible, just like their players. So, you know, if your players knock the ball on, you know, you don't want to ruin their day. You've got you to support them or you just got to let them, let them fix it. So we'll get there. And it'll be interesting to see what happens at this World Cup. But um, SA Rugby have taken a nice strong stance on it and that if any player uh, has a go at the referee, you know, you get penalised, you get marched back 10. And it's just unnecessary because what are you really achieving by shouting at the referee? No ref has changed their decision because of that. It's, it's just an outlet for you and your anger. So, listen, let's just take it on the chin. And regardless whether the decision is right or wrong, and let's move on like adults. All right, you, you mentioned the World Cup Rugby I have a big, big sneaky suspicion that referees will play an important role in this World Cup. That is a great thing, and I think it's a bit of a sad thing in my personal opinion. 
What do you think referees can do to make sure that they don't enforce such incredibly, like, like calls that really change the course of the game? That is a very good question because I, I think you're correct. I think it's going to be a big one and there's a lot of spotlight on the referees like there has been in the build-up. I think from a World Rugby standpoint, they've they've tried their best to put in as many... Um, uh, as many standings or as many guidelines as possible to make sure that everyone's on the same page. And I think what they'll do as a team, or what they already have done, is they've had camps together so they, they all get themselves on the same page or they, they sell the same picture. Mm-hmm. And I think every referee has their own little style and it's important, you know, you compare Nigel Owens to a Yaku Paper to a Wayne Barnes um, to a Nick Berry. They all have slightly different styles, but if they can sell a, con- a consistent picture week after week, you're not going to get those big scandals where the referee changed the game. It, it, at the end of the day, it should be which nation played the best rugby to win that World Cup. Mm-hmm. And, and that would be their goal. All right. So that rugby, for me, the bounce of the ball, definitely one of the most untrustworthy things in the world. I'm going to give you three things, three options, and you must pick which one you trust the least. The bounce of rugby ball, Cape Town weather, or a politician. Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> Who do you trust the least? <laughs> uh, I've got to go rugby ball. I've seen some weird and wonderful things that have happened on the field, and that's what makes rugby so exciting. Mm. Uh, week after week, you never know what you're going to get, and and that's that's that that excitement that you love and the passion that you that you. Yeah, you just want to enjoy the game as much as possible. Mm. And, yeah, a game like Sevens, look how exciting that is, whether, you know, there's the any nation could win that. And I think it'll be the same with 15s as well, especially going to this World Cup. I think that's why rugby is one of the greatest games in the, in the world. You have 15 players, all shapes and sizes. You have fat friends, you have thin friends, you have stocky friends, you have fast friends, you have tall friends. You have, you have all people, all shapes and sizes. But I think it's the most respectful, you can get a man who's 120 kilograms who'll say, no Mr. Ref or no Miss Ref. Do they ever call you Mr. Ref? And what do you say when they call you Mr. Ref? Do you correct them and go, no, it's Miss Ref? Now, every game. Every game, uh, it ends up being Mr. Ref or Sir. And I am more than happy with that because that means they've forgotten I'm a female referee. They're just treating me like any other referee. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm happy. And sometimes you can see it on their faces. They'll be like, oh, um, Mr. Ref, is it is it our ball? Is it this? Mm-hmm. And then they, oh, Mrs. Ref, uh, ma'am, uh, what do we call you? And I'd... I don't mind that at all. I'm very relaxed when it comes to that. I think if I can build a relationship with the players that we can just talk it out and Mr. Ref is, is just fine by me. Okay. So what has rugby and refereeing taught you about change and transformation in your everyday life? Another good question, sir. Are you on fire today? Oh, what do you mean only today? Go Every day. This is my job. <laughs> I think it's been... It's been a, an incredible mind shift for me. I think being in this male-dominated world, being going from player to referee, being a female involved in everything, it was important for me to embrace that first. And, and then as I deal with it every day, then I can see people slowly start to adapt it. But if I went in with the, the mindset of I'm a female or, you know, I'm a female and this is the way things are and I demanded change, I think it would be very difficult. I would be upset with 
everyone else because um, it's so new to them and you're obviously going to get a little bit of friction. You're obviously going to get a little bit of fight back because it's different and people don't like change. But it's important for us to keep changing. Not just change is as good a, as a holiday, but it's it's progression. It's, we've got to keep challenging ourselves. Even you know, Going from playing to refereeing, I thought I had reached my limits. But then um, going forward and the more I've started to ref, the more I've realized how strong I am and how much more I can challenge myself. And I know I've achieved a lot of firsts, but I'm, I, there's, there's glass ceilings that I want to continue to break. And it's, if I can embrace that change, it's not easy, um, but it's worth it. And I hope that it can inspire other people to, to take on the change and, and just be open to change. And sometimes it's not going to work out. And sometimes it will work out. It'll be incredible will be worthwhile it'll take you in a new direction and you open up your mindset to to new things and I think that's where we need to be is you know rainbow nation we've changed so much mm. let's keep going with that let's keep it as positive as possible let's let's use sport as that vessel and and continue to grow sound like France up here now definitely France up to stay the whole nation building last one question for me I want to combine the two you spoke about things to come what are your targets what are your goals and lastly why do you think, as a female referee, why have you succeeded? What is the why? What do you have that everyone else doesn't have yet? And why have you gone to where you've gone to? Okay, so firstly, those I think... Those are two good questions yeah, as well. That's, I, that's a, that's I, a didn't, I didn't, You didn't have to say it, <laughs> but I'll say it. That's, that's a banger to finish off on. I, um, as far as my personal goals, I would love to really push the boundaries and, and cement my name in the, the Women's Internationals. We're looking at 2021, the Women's World Cup in New Zealand. Uh, I'd love to perform well there, get involved in the playoffs. And, and you never shoot for the finals as a referee. You, you just want to perform well. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, yeah, just really grow with the women's game. It has grown so much. And especially in South Africa, we've, there's been a lot of effort put into it, and I, I hope that it continues uh, even further. So in that, in that respect, as high as possible and as many international tests as possible. Then domestically, really want to cement my name in the, in the Curry Cup. I think that'll be a big step up, and it'll be a, um, there'll be some, some mind shifts, hopefully, coming up. And, you know, just to get comfortable in this African structures to just be like, oh, yeah, you know, Varsity Cup, Super Sport Challenge, Curry Cup, whatever the challenge is, you know, classic clashes uh, that, that I can earn those by merit. Uh, it's very important for me to be there by merit. And, um, yeah, ref as much rugby as possible. Um, then, you know, the bigger picture, we're looking at refing men's internationals. It might start tier two, tier three but I'd love to be one of the first to be involved there. So those would be the goals. I mean, something like Super Rugby, Pro 14, we want to keep knocking on those doors. And it, even if it's not us, let it be the next generation so that people become aware of us. And then we, we keep pushing those boundaries. And then I think your your second question, I think for me it's it's, some people might call it stubbornness. I call it quiet determination. I, Semantics. <laughs> I am very determined to achieve, and whatever I want to do, I will make sure that I do everything behind the scenes to make sure it happens. So if I have a dream, uh, you know, you don't want to do the Martin Luther King thing, but you... Go, you, go. <laughs> I've always, I always said, you know, live the dream. Hmm. 
I had that dream of 12 to get to, to the Olympics and all, you know, my friends might have thought that was a bit far-fetched or a whole lot far-fetched, but it happened. And I've got a lot, a lot of other dreams. And for me, it's, it's a personal challenge to get better and to be the best that I can. I think I've learned, uh, I learned pretty early on that you get judged in everything you do. And if I were to listen to other people, I would have stayed in bed uh, a long time ago and never gone up because it's, it's, it can be full of negativity um, because everyone's fighting their own battles. Agreed. And yeah, so for me, it's important you wake up every day and you live in that dream. And sometimes you will stumble. Sometimes you're going to have that poor game. Sometimes you're going to struggle in your fitness. Um, but the next day you get back on it and you, you keep going towards that goal. Um, this is not a question, it's a statement. Uh, earlier, you said, I, I said you were married, and you, you just said you have a wife, and you didn't say anything else about it. And I think you're inspiring more people than you think you are. You're not just inspiring women. There's many other people in the world who, you, who look up to you, and I think you don't even understand or even get it. My, much love and respect for you, and I look forward to seeing you ref the World Cup final one day. Thank you, Steve. I really Thanks, appreciate Amy. it. Halftime Chat is made just for you by Brightrock. Love change. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to In the Change Room on Iona FM, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen.